Welcome to another Quantum Conversation, brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and I invite you to sit back as we enter the Quantum Realm, that space of the greater part of you. It is your connection to infinite possibilities, infinite potential, and infinite mastery. Oh, welcome everyone. Thank you so much for being here. We are going quantum today. My guest is a galactic walk-in and she is here to share with us her understanding of light and photon energy and all that exciting stuff. She is here to say that miracles really are happening and we're going to learn more about that. It's really beautiful because Aurora is a galactic walk-in. She's been on this platform before. You can search in our archives and find her earlier interviews. It's really fascinating, her story. As she came into the physical body, uh, this was in 2001, she discovered a hyperdimensional portal shape that she calls the flying rainbow lasagna. And you're going to learn more about that today with Aurora, but first, let's just welcome this beautiful galactic walk-in Aurora to our space. Hi, Aurora. Thank you for being here. Hi. Thank you so much for having me back on your show and your conversations here. I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased for the work that you do in bringing lots of inspiring, positive, uplifted information to humanity. I'm so pleased to be here with you today because I have a lot of new, wonderful things to share. So thank you so much. It's wonderful to connect with you. Yes, it's so wonderful as well. And let's just point out the artwork that is behind you. This is the the design, the shapes that you saw in your walk-in experience. And so, uh, and especially the, the hanging piece, that is the flying rainbow lasagna. And there it is too. So Give us a synopsis for those who don't know about this experience with you. Do tell us what is this flying rainbow lasagna? Thank you so much for that opening to be able to just share so, so beautifully here. So I came in, I can't even believe it at this point. It is like 21 years ago. I've been in this realm and in a human body form for like 21 years. And this flying rainbow lasagna shape, you could consider it a genetic oscillation that if the strings of your DNA are similar to piano strings or like almost vibrating jump ropes of time, that this is a very particular type of music that you can play with the genetic piano of your body. And that the crucial takeaway or comprehension on this is that it represents a higher dimensional form of the torus shape. And I'm holding this up for anyone who's audio only. This is a sculptural form that's pretty simplistic that I created, but it's at the center of all of my visual work. These four vortices, these um, double chakras, chakras are like whirling um, fields of energy that are uh, prob probabilistic. They're about time, possibility, and probability. So that's where we really um, dovetail so beautifully with this concept of quantum. And at the center of this shape that represents the infinite realities of time, there's this convergence point that is known as singularity. So singularity is really the most important thing of everything that I've been teaching and sharing about for humanity's uplift. I wanted to say upgrades to what is flying rainbow lasagna and how does this function because it is like when this shape with the singularity oscillates in a higher dimension, it creates the flying rainbow lasagna shape. And then my latest insights about light 
have everything to do with the singularity and what is singularity. Because there is a big giant singularity. I'm going to point out my window right now, the sun that is in our sky, this beautiful, amazing star that is a conscious, alive being has singularity at its center. And that is really the origin point for all of this light that's closest to us because we're closest to the, the sun. But of course, from every star, all of these stars contain this amazing supernatural infinity point that is called singularity. That is, um, it seems like it's a conflict. It's in multiple places at once, but it's the same doorway to infinity. And that is where light comes from. So I've been talking about this kind of indirectly in my work for a long amount of time. But this most recent, like I get what people might call cosmic downloads. I have my conversations with the stars sitting outside in my lawn chair at night, kind of looking up at everything. And I get this information. And then I figure out, like, how am I going to draw this as a painting diagram this, somehow speak about this, articulate this with others, because I feel like that is my my cosmic assignment or my job joy in being able to share the ideas and viewpoint that I have from those very you know peak moments. Oh, I don't know if I can hear you. Very cool. Thank you so much. It is a fascinating to hear you speak. And there's so many questions that come up. Um, we have this within ourselves then. So we are sons yes. ourselves. And yes. that is the, um, is that our sacred heart, our portal? Where, where is that for us? I, in my own body, and I always leave the door open for everybody's unique experience. But to me, it feels like that place right at the top of my spine where my skull kind of sits, there's like a pivot bone on there. And I, I envision it as kind of like, behind my eyes, behind my soft palate, kind of like the deep interior of my brain, I do envision that there is a miniature sun star there and that it's a fractal microcosm of this same exact enormous plasma being that we have up there, out there in what we see as the daytime sky, but that is also internal to me and is in each one of us. And I feel like when we talk about planetary ascension, and I always point to this painting over here, like I know the details might be small on everyone's screen, especially if you're on a phone, but it represents like the sun and earth is transforming and earth is transforming in the magnetosphere. This whole process of planetary ascension, I feel relates to each one of us awakening the dormancy of that star that is within us and it becomes a source of information intelligence guidance even light that is a form of nutrition because at a certain point i don't think we will have to have plants as an intermediary to through photosynthesis take the light from the sun turn it into a glucose that we can ingest and then have that be sustaining for us i think at a certain point we will be sustained just by the radiance i'm pointing kind of like inside of my head here of what the star that is inside of us. So a lot of these newer insights have everything to do with what is the actual chemical process of photosynthesis when it's going on? Because I, I did not come here to earth with a science background at all. Like all of that and the way of comprehending molecular chemistry is very new to me. So I've been really excited to have my balance out my inner insight into what's happening in my body as I'm transforming, and then also find a bridge of articulation with something like molecular chemistry. What is photosynthesis? How are plants 
taking that pure nourishment and intelligence of light and transforming it into glucose, which is a very particularly shaped molecule. And everyone can see from my paintings, like I'm all about shapes, not that much about like um, painting flowers, even though flowers are beautiful, but mostly I'm about painting these shapes. And that's what fascinates me, the shape of molecules and how time space itself is changing and warping in these tiny gravity wells in order to create these molecules that we know as glucose. If I hold up my coffee, hey, that's what's in my coffee. Magical light that is slowed down into matter through photosynthesis becomes glucose, becomes light inside of me, and then becomes a sustaining presence. And I think that this ascension process is all about learning about that miracle or supernatural unlikelihood while it's going on in our bodies, and then even gearing up into a new way of like, at a certain point, I won't have to go to the store and buy the coffee, sugar, creamer, we won't have to have that intermediary. It will come into us directly. Wow. So is, is that how other life forms in the universe exist? Mm-hmm. Not all, Yes. I love your question. And I love you. Not only do other life forms in the cosmos exist in that way, I would say like bio photosynthesis as opposed to just plant photosynthesis, but that's our true blueprint. When we, and I claim myself as human, like, you know, I'm here, I've been here in a human body for 20 years, long enough to be able to kind of like learn the ropes. I've got a body like you guys. Our original blueprint of what our DNA was supposed to be like did not involve having to eat plants. So if I have my piano over here and if I play a note on my piano, like you hear the music and you're eating that with your ears, but you don't actually eat the piano keyboard. Like the keyboard is sacrosanct and nothing touches it. And that is really what our lives were like in a time that our present world would call it ancient or mythological Atlantis. It is a time outside of our present reality when we lived very differently. And each one of us here, like Lauren, you, myself, everyone who is a listener who's accessing this video or, you know, watching and listening here, we all lived or live concurrently at that time. And it was a beautiful, much gentler, more loving time because death did not exist and we did not have to eat another animal, plant, anything in order to sustain ourselves. So like I tell you, I don't eat the piano. I listen to its music. We had extensive, beautiful gardens that created this amazing music of life around us that we absorbed as a symphony, but we didn't actually eat the plants. So everything was a lot less about like survival of one organism eating another and really more about mutualism, reciprocity, that loving um energy of giving and receiving. And we just lived in this very, very beautiful, peaceful time. Then our planet, like we have a primary trauma that not everybody can remember or relate to. And it's part of the healing of this time and this experience and this planetary ascension. It's what we're really reclaiming and moving past. So as we remember those beautiful times, we also remember like, oh yeah. And then our bodies changed. Now I have to like mash up whatever potatoes or leaves with my teeth. My teeth are my mouth crystals. I have to smash up potatoes with my mouth crystals and put them into the cauldron of my belly and ferment them in here. But your mouth crystals were originally created to be like um, telepathic transceivers, you know, like on an old fashioned crystal radio set. This is like from the 1950s. Crystals send and receive signals. So our teeth are meant to be these delicate instruments for sending and receiving signals, not really for like gnawing on a piece of chicken or whatever, but we've learned to adapt 
And that's part of, if anyone who's listening to this really feels that sense of like, it's hard, like it's hard to be in this world of ego competition and what people call survival of the fittest and organisms competing for resources and humans competing for resources. It's truly, it's not our basic nature. Our basic nature is to be light literally the embodiment of light. And we're on this journey right now, which is so exciting in our planetary and personal history of making that flip. Like we are returning back to light and it's, um, you're not going to go back after this. So don't worry about kind of like, like I was a light person for five minutes and then I fell back down and I had to go back to the grocery store and, you know, continue buying my, my coffee and my apples and my, uh, whatever, you know, whatever you'd like to eat. Um, we are really going into this, uh, exalted or transformed state. And then when we do that, that's like a graduation and it's not analogous to death or a cease. You, you continue to exist. You don't cease to exist. You go into a transformation totally redefine your metabolism as it is directly connected to light and the entire network of light that is the sun and the stars and even everything molecular on this planet because like I have trees outside of my window or a plant on my windowsill. Those organisms are all part of a network of light. I have my dog in her dog bed in the room next door. She is part of a network of light. Like you could begin to imagine with your mind kind of like these beams of light that are going all around between all of these organisms creating these amazing complex patterns and that that is what really sustains us and we just completely redefine our experience away from trauma death and violence towards peacefulness generosity sharing there's nothing to fear you don't have to eat anyone else no one has to eat you we just can you can like feel like the release in your shoulders you're like oh i'm so relaxed like no one's going to eat me my life is totally different now so we're moving into a completely redefined reality on that so fascinating, Aurora. So, so fascinating. I want to reiterate for those who are joining us along the way here that you are a galactic walk-in, um, 21 years now. Yeah. And this information is, this information comes to you. How does it come to you in meditation? You're shown to it. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for that question. So with my mind, I'm always questing. Like I have like a tendril that's kind of like an elephant's trunk that is my attention tendril. And I touch on different things. Like this is my process of wonderment. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder about this. I touch on this. I wonder about this. I touch on this. So I am so inspired by the world around us, which I really feel is filled with supernatural miracles and so much information that like I'm, I, this is me in the morning, waking up, putting on my tea kettle, right? Putting it on the stove to warm, warm it up, going to make some, co uh, usually coffee, not that much tea. And my eyes aren't even really open yet, but I'm like, putting my mind and questing and wondering on the tea kettle. And I'm like, hmm, like the water is changing state. It is becoming more intelligent, more light and infrared and heat and information is going into the molecular patterns of the water molecules themselves. And they're moving and dancing in these complex patterns that are not stupid patterns. They're intelligence patterns that if I was intelligent enough and I could see all of the movements of all of these molecules, I could decode the water and have a conversation and learn and understand from the movements of all of this water. So I do like direct perception. And I, like I said, I sit out at night when the weather is good in my lawn chair, looking up at the stars and it's pure light. Like the light that comes from the stars is pure light, different from a light bulb, different from a campfire, different from something that is secondary or intermediary. And it comes directly into my inner eye and brings very clear messages and imagery to 
to me. That's almost always abstract. That's almost always in the sense of just pure knowing. And then sometimes I sit there and I'm like, wow, like I just got this whole entire amazing um, amount of information and insight. How am I going to translate that into something like it doesn't fit with our linear language here? Because our language here is based in the sense of being submerged in time, having a linear experience. And that's like you have a movie that has beginning, middle and end or your life, birth, adulthood and death, that there's this sense of things happening in an order, or I even joke making cupcakes, like first you mix up the batter, then you put it in the oven, then you take the cupcakes out of the oven and you eat them. Like everything is in an order, but information and the way that your mind, your cognitive processes function differently at this higher galactic level where you just see and know everything all at once, like a flash of insight or kind of the same way that you might look at one of my paintings. You look at a painting, you're like going to see there's blue and there's purple and there's red and there's pink and there's orange. You see them all at once. You don't see like, first I looked at the red, then I looked at the purple, then I looked at the blue, that there's this sense of like all of this information kind of just like jumps on top of you or into you at once. And for me, the experience is always like very beautiful. Very, like my eyes are dazzled. I'm always amazed by what I get because I feel like it is a divine intelligence, a divine architecture that is so amazing. It's so genius. It, the, the divine intelligence is so complex. I'm always like, oh my God, it is so amazing. And so I'm like uh, impressed by the grandeur. And then also I'm a little intimidated because my shoulders go down a little bit. I'm like, how am I going to figure out like how to draw that as a picture that makes sense to someone else. So I started getting these ideas when I, I've recently moved back to Ojai, where it has a beautiful view of the night sky. Like I'm able to really see the stars. I lived in a lot of urban places where it's like the city. I can relate to anybody that lives in a city. I love you. I send you encouragement and strength. It was hard for me to be there because I felt disconnected from nature and I couldn't really see the stars. So I got back here. I'm looking up at the stars and they all um, gave me this beautiful information. And then that was maybe around October of this past year. I actually spent a little bit of time just thinking about how am I going to draw it as a picture? And then every morning I do my sun gazing and the sun at a certain point was kind of like giving me a, a nudge, kind of like you have to do it, even if it's imperfect, like you have to just do your best, figure out a way to do this. So that was what I did. I did some very crude animations and very simplistic drawings to try to share these ideas with people. And that has become the genesis of a new curriculum. So I talk a lot with pictures. I use very simple diagrams of like circles and what a photon is and the way that this fabric of space and time is ballooning outward. And uh, then I shared, I was again, like a little bit reticent. Like, I don't know if I know enough to be able to share it. I want to do a good job. I want to be a perfectionist. But the sun in my sun gazing in the morning said again, like, do the best you can. Like, just try. Don't have to be perfect on the first step. Like the first time you play a composition, you're like, am I going to be perfect? Am I I'm like, just too much pressure, do the best you can. So um, I had a beautiful class over December of the people that I call my guinea pigs lovingly, my, my beta testers, the first group of people that are actually students that have been in my classes before. I said, let me try to explain this stuff to you. I'm not sure if it's going to make sense or if your heads are going to explode. They were amazing. They were all totally came, came to class prepared with their notebooks and their pencils. They were so open to this. They studied and applied themselves so much. And I learned like, okay, like this is not too... Uh, 
com- complex or ununderstandable. It's definitely understandable. And I even created some supplementary like whiteboards, visualizations. I figured out a way to be able to share the, this with everyone, got such huge positive feedback and um, kind of fine tuned my curriculum a little bit. And so that's where I'm at with this now. This is like the second time that I'm trying to teach and share this with humanity. And I feel like it's crucial to be able to offer people like a new pathway of understanding that is really revolutionary about what is light, what is it, and what is it doing? And it totally relates to you in your daily experience. This is not just something that is acute abstraction where you're like, dum de dum dum like what does that matter to me? It, you are made of light, and light circulates and profuses all throughout your body, your metabolism, what allows you to have cognitive processes in your mind, what allows you to digest food in your belly so that your muscles can go and you can do stuff, and even the ecosystem that you're a part of. All of this is based in light. So I feel like everything that I'm able to share is... um food or Gatorade for your marathon. Like you're running this spiritual marathon. Like I got to get there. I got to get there. And I'm like, here's Gatorade. Like here are ideas, inspirations, and new fresh concepts that will like kind of supercharge you drink the Gatorade. And you're like, this is amazing. I am now ready to keep chugging on the spiritual marathon of life and spiritual attainment. (laughs) Okay. Such a pleasure to listen to you, Aurora. Really very fun. Um, there's a couple things you you actually teach this and we're going to talk later in this program about a special offer that involves this course for those to go deeper with you and learn this information. Great. You're also going to share a little uh, animation for us as well. And before we get there, you said some things I can feel our audience asking um, about the sun gazing, sun gazing. um, Okay. There's so much going on. It's almost as if this light, this is, um, this is beyond our light body. Many of us understand the importance of developing our light body where information is, but what you are expressing is that this is the embodiment of light, the light that we are. And when we, um, when we say the phrase, I am love, I am light, yeah. these two things are really powerful. It really reinforces the power of saying, I am light. And so first, let's start with sun gazing. Okay. Okay. And um, this is where information is coming to us. We're connecting more with that light. We're awakening the sun within us. But we are also moving into a place where we are becoming uh breatharians. This is the path, the light, the path of light is towards breatharianism. How are you doing on this journey? Let's talk about your own journey with breatharianism or light uh consumption and then sun gazing. Beautiful. Okay, so when I first came here into this body form about 21 years ago, I thought this is me being very simplistic. My life is going to be so easy. I'm just going to eat nothing but sunlight. I didn't know about the limitations that were in the body. Like literally for the first couple of weeks of being here, when I first came here, I just did what I ordinarily do from the time of ancient Atlantis. I didn't comprehend that you needed to eat solidified light as well. I didn't even know anything about food, recipes, ingredients, food preparation, 
literally did not know how to make toast or any kind of simple thing like that. And I didn't know why just sun gazing wasn't enough. I had to learn like, oh, we're in a different body form here, a denser body where you have to eat physical light too. So after that initial steep learning curve, I had to learn about what is food, which at first I learned just by mimicking others. I'm like, oh, like these guys are eating this over here. I'm going to eat some of that too. Just that is how you learn. Just like when you are a simple child, when you first get here or a foreigner in a different land. And I didn't even really have good communication skills to be able to ask people about things. So I did trial and error. I tried all sorts of different things that other people ate around me. And some things like this is me like eating something. And I'm like, like, this is not food. Like I ate some of the things that people eat here. You can imagine. And I learned like that. It's not food for the body. And um, because people like eat all- animal- um, no, yeah. no. It wasn't the animal stuff. It was mostly the processed stuff, like, you know, like the cookies or ding-dongs or donuts. And I also worked at a lot of different jobs where it was just like the people ate the most simple, cheap, most work-a-day food. And I'm like, oh, like, I will just eat those things, too. And then I learned, like, oh, no, like, that is not good food for your body at all. And I had to start to seek out the foods that glow, like when I could look in the food, I call it the food room, which now we know is the grocery store, and you magical piece is a paper to go into the food room but when I would look around there I could see some of these items glow those are the items with the life force and some of these items they are not really food even though you can put them in your mouth and that was again like 20 years ago or 18 years ago so I've been doing sun gazing for a long time, but also the quality of light from our sun has changed some of what it is is beautiful natural ascension upgrade light codes that these things have changed from the sun but then some of it is there there's like atmospheric pollutants and things that are sprayed in the air like i'm putting everything in air quotes so you know what i'm talking to or like wink winking with my eye you know what i'm talking about like there are aerosols and things that we never used to see before and sometimes they make clouds or they block out or distort the light so i had to learn at a certain point maybe like 2014 i'm like okay so i'm going to do sun gazing in this time and place with all the turmoil that's going on here i'm gonna have to level up my game and i learned how to sun gaze, even if it was a cloudy day, even if it was a rainy day, I could kind of jump beyond the clouds with my mind. So that is what I really encourage everyone to learn how to do. My sun gazing now is not always a direct line of sight from my physical eyes, and I don't keep my physical eyes open. Most of the time I keep my eyelids closed, but what I'm doing is connecting with my inner eye, which to me feels like, like I said, a long elephant's trunk or like a tendril or like an arm that I used to reach out to the sun and it hears me like reaching out to the sun like touching on it and I kind of get energy from it and so that that is the etheric or or non-physical thing that I'm doing and then physically you mentioned breatharian what my practice evolved into is this very particular way of breathing in. So I, you might make funny faces. And I always tell everyone in my classes, don't be afraid to make funny faces and don't be self-conscious. Like when you're doing your flying rainbow lasagna dance or when you're doing your sun gazing or whatever it is. But usually I sit comfortably in meditation with my spine straight and I make it so that like, you know, my lap is almost shaped like a bowl, like a giant cauldron, because that's where the energy is coming into. Like all of your lower chakras, what the Far East, they call it your ara, your hara, Asia is what I mean by the Far East. Like uh, your lower chakras that are like the foundation of everything you are so you have kind of like a receptacle there and I reach out to the sun to make this connection and then I draw in or I breathe it in keep my tongue on the roof of my mouth which is a really crucial aspect of like making a circuit in your body and then the same way like if you were smelling a rose at the florist kind of like like you really kind of like 
stick your nose out. Like, you know, don't be afraid to kind of like sniff. And I sniff and really draw that energy up my sinuses into, I breathe into the bridge of my nose. And you also have sinuses that are kind of up above your eyebrows. That's where you're breathing in. So it's a multifaceted, like there is physical light that we are doing this to ingest. There is the non-physical light that is the light of pure awareness. Then there is this breath. And all of that is done at the same time. But it's not like you have to think like, you know, when you're a dancer, you don't think like right foot, left foot, like move my knee, move my arm, elbow. Like you kind of get into it. You get into it. You get the feeling. And when you're really tuned in, um, you feel this energy kind of flowing into you. And then it does feel like it kind of trickles down your throat. But it is a non-physical substance, but it feels sustaining and comes down into my belly fills up my belly, my lap, my joy centers that are in like, you know, the lower chakras. And then I also feel it filling me up exactly the same way. Like if you have water pouring into a cup, feel it, feel it filling all the way up. And this might take several minutes of like breathing in, drawing it in, breathing it in until it's all the way up to the top of my head. And then I feel like my cup is full. And then I also feel like I'm ready for the day. And that's also where I get my cosmic assignments from. So I told you I was reticent and I'm like, I'm, maybe I'm not good enough. And I don't know how to do all these different things. And the sun is like here, glug, 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 have all of this energy. You're good enough. Now kind of like the coach, like now, like get out there and do your stuff. You know what I mean? Like very encouraging. And so then after that, what I usually do is either go to my computer, do my drawings, go to my sketch book, go like I take all of that energy that I just breathed in and I put it into whatever is my creative activity. And then I'll do this again throughout the day if I need it. And I also make it, I do this at sunrise and sunset. Those are the best two times to do your sun gazing because usually for me, the sun is filtered through the trees. And so the trees are like, don't get overwhelmed by too much sunlight. Take it like in a sprinkly, sparkly kind of way. Like, you know, the sparkles of the leaves, they're actually helping you a lot. They're being like, um, you know, like protecting you. If you're a little tiny seedling of consciousness, that way you don't get um, overwhelmed by too much like blasting of pure light. And then also at the end of the day, the end of the day, the sun is going down. It goes behind um, some trees. It goes behind the mountain. And I every day that my schedule allows, because I do all sorts of different work and gigs and side gigs. But if possible, I have a special chair. I sit in my special chair in front of the sun as the sun is going down and I make that time sacrosanct, even if it's 15 minutes. And I allow it again, breathing in, having that energy come into me. And then I feel like that is also giving me my upgrades of like what I did during the day and then my nighttime assignments because, you know, I'm very busy dreaming at night. I'm sure many of you are as well. The things that I'm going to think about at night and then I process all of those and then wake up in the morning and do it again. So it's a constant partnership. Like I'm constantly checking in with the sun, constantly talking to the sun, receiving information guidance, inspiration, like the sun is my coach and my cheerleader. I'm drinking my electrolyte water here. Pardon me. And um, the sun is um, partner, life coach and guide in all of these things that I'm doing. So and then I'm always happy to be able to be like, like, I got that idea. And then I did the thing and kind of like beam that back to the sun and the sun will give you like, yes, like, good job. Like you did that because you get that sense of like, yes, like I did the thing. And then it's like, good job. And now here's the next thing, because 
being guided on a very uh, particular path that is custom tailored to you. That's what this level of being is like. It's not only for me. The sun is such an enormous, loving presence, so virtuous, virtuoso, intelligent and complex. It has a unique um, like personal coaching for each one of us. That every single person that tunes into the sun, the sun is like, okay, look, here's what you need to do today. And here's what you need to think about and where you need to go. And kind of like, um, like a conductor, like tap, tap, tap the conductor, conducting the orchestra and saying, you play this and you play this and you go here. And when we act in faith, you know what I mean? Like we, we take that information. We're like, okay, like I don't necessarily know exactly what I'm doing, but I'm going to do my best. You do it. You realize that you're part of this much larger, much more complex symphony. You do your thing. You are fulfilling your role and many others are as well. It becomes this very magical. People talk about synchronicities. That is being part of the symphony of life. Like you are playing your music exactly right. You're on the beat. You're in the groove and you meet this guy and he's in the groove too. And you have an amazing share. And it, go, it goes much, much further than that. Wow, thank you. We, uh, all of us now have this incredible tool, and I'm sure that we'll be doing this at sunrise and sunset. Um, thank you so much for sharing. Um, what you say there is, so the wisdom, did you read spiritual texts for some of this wisdom, or is this all the information that you've intuited? because it's corroborated by spiritual texts. I'm so pleased that it's corroborated, but for me, it comes primarily from intuition. And then secondarily, people have told me, ah, well, there's this thing in yoga and you should learn about this. And I learn about it and I'm like, well, that's amazing because that just seems to be the thing I need to do with this body that is shaped like this. So I love learning more and I love it when people bring something to me and they talk to me sometimes about a particular yoga practice that involves where you place the tongue on the roof of your mouth and that this relates to fine tuning your consciousness. The yoga masters have been at this for tens of thousands of years and there's such a rich tradition there and there's so much to learn. I have to admit, I am a baby student and don't know everything about it, but always open to learning. So mostly I just do this, um, whatever you like uh, innovatively through my own direct seeing. I want to say um, fly by the seat of my pants. It is not like that. It is not like a, um, you know, like a slapdash thing, but just because I want everyone to trust your intuition, trust your inner guidance. Like when you are a child and you're a little tiny infant baby and you're learning how to like roll over and then crawl and then walk, like you can trust your body. Your body will tell you like, oh, I want to move like this. And then I want to move like this. And then I want to do this. And then you find out people have been doing this for tens of thousands of years and they have figured out all of these different ways to stand up and walk around and do these exercises effectively so yeah mostly inner insight and direct guidance secondarily then i love to learn and grow more from all of these amazing practices and schools of thought and body cultivation that people have done here in this world for a long time yes all right beautiful so as a galactic walk-in are you is this your first time on earth or have yes. you been before? Well, yes and no. It is my first time on earth since the invention of death or mortality that I lived on earth in that time with, that we know as ancient or concurrent Atlantis, that our bodies might looked, we might have looked similar, like we had a face, arms, legs, 
but our body metabolism acted very differently. And everything about my journey from then and what I imprinted upon as truth um, is still relevant, but everything here is really different now. So when I came into this body in this form, this is my first time being in this level of density body, I guess is what you would say, where you have to eat physical food and where there's a possibility of death and the possibility of disease and all of these other things that you have to learn how to navigate. And it was a very steep learning curve because I had to learn all about like the do's and don'ts of having this type of cellular body and then cellular maintenance. And what are the best ways? Like I told you that learning like don't eat these types of foods don't do this like you cannot drink 12 cups of coffee a day like your head will explode even though I knew people that did that in my various different workplaces and also I learned about tobacco I learned about all these different things like okay like these are all the things that people do here but these are not all necessarily pro longevity things to do and I kind of calibrated to that so this is my first time really having a body that is what you would call a mortal body but I have this experience for a very intentional purpose would have been very easy or facile for me to be in a higher dimension which is where my aurora collective is and to be just kind of like floating along in a very peaceful easy way and tell everyone like oh like you just ascend like this blah you do this and you do this and you do this everything will be fine you know kind of like reductionist and blase and just like la 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 very different being here alongside everyone in solidarity, being like, what are the actual challenges? I'm not merely removed from this embedded experience, just as each one of you are here. And you are completely elevated, amazing souls. If you're here at this time in our planet, like you're amazing people on this amazing journey, you're figuring out how do I do this with this body? Like, how do I change and transform? How do I cultivate coherence and longevity? How do I avoid these diseases? How do I avoid this death? How do I do things that would be considered like supernatural miracles of healing or things that are beyond the definition of medical science of this time? And a lot of people are on that journey, the journey of healing physical body stuff and also of healing personal and ancestral traumas, that these are all like, profound, amazing things to be doing with the physical body cellular structure that you have. And I am here in solidarity as a coach cheerleader. And also to give an example, like a lot of what I do at Flying Rainbow Lasagna is doing new patterns within my DNA so that I can be like, oh, like I figured out the pattern for that. And then I share it with others. And sometimes it is a nonverbal sharing where I might just figure out, oh, that's the code for how you do this. And then I can literally send out a telepathic email blast to everyone and say, well, here's how you fix this. Or here's how you avoid this disease. Or here's a way that your DNA can act differently. And that that is much more like involved first person experiencer, hands on. We, I'm totally here, like I said, planetary guardian, ascension guardian, wanting this planet to give birth so successfully to this new level and layer of reality. So um, yeah, it's very, very different than just simplistically saying like, oh, like you want this or that, like just move your arms and legs. It's like, no, Aurora, it's a little bit more complex than that. You're gonna have to be like, and then I'm like, oh, it is more complex than that because you have stuff that's going on with your body. And then there's also human social dynamics that I also navigate just as each one of you has to navigate, like, how do you find a place to live? What is rent? How do you pay for your car insurance? All of those things that you might also feel a little bit um, stuck in like a weird place. Like this isn't normal. Like we don't, not 
other cultures and other galactic civilizations do not even have money, much less rent or car insurance. So if you have ever felt a little bit like harumph and um, this is not the way it's supposed to be, I will validate that harumph. Um, but then I'll also say we are the generation that changes and redefines what it is to be a, a human experiencer on Earth. So we get to completely rewrite the book on everything about how we do sharing of our gifts and talents, receiving energy, sustaining ourselves, being in a balance between our needs as an individual and serving our community. We redefine all of this. So be in an empowered state, even as you recognize like, okay, like we're coming out of a very dysfunctional time and place. And you might feel a little skeptical about what's going on. It's our job to kind of redefine this stuff. Thank you for saying that because we are mm, cutting a new cloth actually with, um, with this, this is where our hearts lead the way, our intuition leads the way. And we've talked in the past year about how it feels like we are at war with our minds and our hearts. Our heart is, um, I don't want to use that word, but the mind is at war with our heart because following our heart, we're like, yes, I get that. It feels right. It feels wonderful. But then societal norms are like, no, no, you can't do that. So it's very interesting as we go on this path and it really is an authentic one and switching it. It's almost like we have to do the opposite of what we've been programmed and trained, you know? Um, so you mentioned supernatural miracles as well. Yeah. What are these and how do we hook into them? We hook into them by being in this space of the heart. Very much. So love is a huge aspect of our superpowers, many of which are dormant that humans don't even know and have kind of uh, normalized to the self-definition of being limited or flawed. But I want you to normalize to the sense of no, like, you know, like in the, the superheroes, um, there's Superman, but his alter ego is Clark Kent. Like, I think human and Clark Kent doesn't have superpowers. I think many humans are walking around as Clark Kent, that they're like, I'm just the regular person. And I just go to my job and have identified with that as who they are. But really, you have dormant inside of you, these superpowers. And what I mean specifically is superpowers of healing, being able to do things beyond what medical science would say is possible in transcending diseases, um, healing from injuries and um, utilizing the metabolisms of the body in a different way that uh, all it takes is an example, like to be able to see, like we can avoid or transcend disease. A big one is also, we don't have to become decrepit as we move through time. So the concept of necessary chronological decrepitude that everyone had this um, science-based preconception you are like at your healthiest and most vital when you're a teenager. And then it's all downhill from there, kid. You know, that whole idea, like you're going to get slower and more diseased with every decade until finally, like, you know, you're shriveled up and bent over and can barely do anything. I'm like, no, 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 no. That is not what our bodies are truly designed for, that we have this innate capacity for regeneration, and that sun gazing and the light body cultivation exercises are a huge part of that. You have to start presuming that our body is made of divine architecture by a really, really good architect. Like, you know, right now they make these cars out there, like, you know, your regular car that you drive to the work. It's like 
maybe going to last 10 years. But if you go back to the cars from the 1950s, they were made to last a lot longer. If you look at our cars, our vehicles of our bodies, like they are actually made to last hundreds of years, a thousand years. Our bodies can last an amazing long amount of time. And I mean, in good shape, in good condition, not living in pain or um, d- diminished or um, without mental capacitations, that a lot of those diseases that we're seeing here of mental incapacitation or weaknesses or even diseases like cancer, those are in a lot of ways um, genetic programs that are the end result of mental programs. And the mental programs have come to us from previous generations. They weren't bad people. They were doing the best they could with what they had, but they internalized certain truths that they passed along to us. And they might have internalized something like, yep, if if I've got heart disease, if I'm your grandma, your grandpa, and I've got heart disease, I'm going to pass it along to you. And you have the capacity in this generation to say, hey, that was their story. That was their response to their environment and the world, world politics at that time. We live in a totally different era now in terms of everything that is happening with our social dynamics dynamics and with our spiritual development. And now we're getting access to all of these thoughts and ideas that used to be only for special spiritual aspirants, that it really used to be that only if you went to an ashram or a special learning center, and then you would be able to learn these special techniques and you had to devote your life to them. And it would take you many, many years. Right now, it's a different level of opportunity. Like you can learn about all of these different types of practices that have been done across many different cultures for how do you keep your body healthy for a long time? How do you avoid or overcome disease? How do you heal from these things that have happened to you so that you can go on healthfully? So sun gazing is a big part of that. And there's, I I do both things in my teaching. I'm highly spiritual and intuitive, and I bring in objective materialist human science to speak to the intellect. Because you talked about that dichotomy between the mind and the heart. I think it's like the mind wants to believe, but the mind does this skeptical thing. You know, all those memes that are making the kid making the skeptical face. That's our intellect. That's like, I'm skeptical. Like, prove it to me. And how do I know this? Even though your heart is wide open like a little child. And it's like, hooray, freedom. I love it. So we have a lot of aspects of our physical body, cellular structure that run on light. Most importantly, you know, your neurology and your mitochondria. And mitochondria are tiny subcellular organelles. They're little powerhouses that are literally like batteries that have electrical charges that are inside of each one of our cells. And mitochondria respond to light. And there's a lot of good science and people doing research about this, about infrared light, which is the type of light that is very red and warm. It comes from the sun early in the morning and late in the day when that when the color of the sunlight is very reddish, golden, orangey. That, guys, I'm telling you, if it was not socially appropriate, you should all run outside with no clothes on and get it on your body as much as you possibly can. If you live in a regular society, you might do what I did. I got an inexpensive light panel that was, you know, like whatever, maybe thirty dollars that I use that in the morning, that you put it on different areas of your body. The It's 650 nanometers and 850 nanometers. And these are reddish in color, but also the heat and the warmth of infrared light. It goes through your skin, into the cells of your body, into your organs, and it goes into the mitochondria. And the mitochondria are like, this light is so sustaining. Each one of them has like little motors that run inside of them that when the infrared light goes into your mitochondria, it makes those motors spin faster. Something like 
80,000 times faster. So imagine like, you know, your car, if you didn't change the oil and the, the engine's like chugging along, like chugga, chugga, like a jalopy, like it hardly goes at all. And it makes that rough engine sound. And then if you just put in the right oil to kind of like make your uh, engine spin without friction, then it hums like, you know, a uh, perfect uh, engine, perfect machine and goes with very little effort. That's what our mitochondria are supposed to be doing. So when we do these sun gazing, sun eating, light ingesting practices, it has a big impact on our mitochondria. They are the ATP energy producers of our body. And there's also wonderful good stuff in terms of red light helping to regenerate our retinas. So it's not normal, everyone. Don't normalize to the sense of macular degeneration or loss of eyesight over time. Mostly what is happening in our world right now is the problem is the screens that we're all staring at. So I'm making this, like this is my computer screen. We've got the computer screen. I've got my phone screen. I've got my iPad screen. I'm a modern person. I use all these things. Again, I'm in solidarity with you, but there's a lot of research to show that the blue light that comes off of those computer screens overstimulates our retina, and then our retinas don't have a chance to be able to regenerate in, which is what we ordinarily would do in another time in humanity's life, we would have quiet and darkness after the sun goes down. You might build a campfire or have candles, but your eyes would rest. And most of us don't do that. Look at me. I'm up at 11 at night in my pajamas doing my emails because I'm like, you can see my shoulders are tense too. I'm like, I have to get all these things done. I have to respond to all these things. A lot of pressure, a lot of self-pressure, um, a lot of um, working longer hours, even beyond what is positive for our biology. So the overexposure of blue light, can cause our retinas to not generate enough recharge that makes it possible for our eyes to be able to be healthy for a long amount of time. So some simple things that you can do, you don't have to stop using your computer because again, you might need to do your emails like I do because I'm a modern person. Turn all of your settings to warm. There's a thing on almost all of my computers where you can do night shift but I do it night shift during the day and then a little slider where you can go either warmer, which means that your light will be more yellowish orange. And I turn all of my lights on all of my devices to yellowish orange so that that way I'm not putting so much blue light into my eyes. And you guys, you can also get these blue light blocking glasses that don't look weird. They just look like regular clear lenses, but they block out certain frequencies so that you're doing everything you can to protect your light body. So that's big. And then the other thing is I'm a big proponent of regular old incandescent light bulbs. That's what I've got here in my little supplemental light because you know I've got them here for when I do videos and everything. So what's different about a regular incandescent bulb than an LED bulb? Incandescent bulbs get warm. You guys, you, you know this, right? Like if you turn off the light, you can't actually unscrew the bulb. You're like, ow, 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 it's hot. But you can do that with an LED. So 45% of the light that we actually get from the sun in the sky is infrared. That means we don't experience it as optical light, the phenomenon of light. We experience it as warmth. It comes on our skin. It's like, oh, that feels so warm. Like, I feel like I'm getting radiant heat from the sun. It feels amazing. It's 45% of the light nutrition for our light bodies is just that warmth. And in the artificial lighting of our world, mostly we do not use like 
candles and lamp oil as people did in the 1800s. We use electric light. Fire is considered dangerous. If you have a choice about what you're using to light your environment after the sun goes down, get some ye old fashioned incandescent bulbs. And you might have to do a special shopping online to try to find who's got a stash of these because they're not even easy to find anymore. And they're not that energy efficient. And everyone is like, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you, it is better for your eyes. It is better for the health of your skin. It is better for your mitochondria. And when all of this relates back, I swear it it loops around. Stick with me, guys. It loops around to um, diseases and degeneration that people here have calibrated to the normalization. Like, oh, like you will have less energy as you get older. You will sleep more poorly. Your muscle mass will go down. Your skin will change in its, um, you know, elasticity. That's all just uh, throw it out the window. I want to say like BS, throw, throw all that stuff out the window. It's not truthful that all of those are the body's responses to being in a non-optimal light environment. So we need to start advocating for ourselves to be able to say, hey, I want to make my body have an optimum light experience as a light being, as a light eater. So you can get, if you can, I schedule, I do my alarm in the morning a few minutes before the sun is going to come up. So I've got a chance in my bed, I wake up and I put on my infrared light panel and I do it on my face. Then I come over here to the window and I uh, get my sunlight into my eyes for the rest of the day. I'm using the yellow filter on all of my electronics. I'm using incandescent lights. And then, yeah, trying to do all of the things that I can for my light body to be able to support. Basically, we talked about or mentioned supernatural capacities. When you give your body the right formula of light or the right light nutrition, your body does things that would be considered supernatural miracles, miracles of um, stem cell release. Stem cells are the potential cells that have not yet grown into adult cells that can go around, that can heal an injury. They can help muscles and tendons to grow. They can help your skin to regenerate so that it retains its elasticity. Um, Stem cells are a huge part of the um, sustenance and generation of our body. And then some of the other things you can do is there's a process called autophagy, or some people pronounce it autophagy, A-U-T-O-P-H-A-G-Y. It's a similar form of intermittent fasting where basically you stop eating after the sun goes down. The sun goes down like 5 p.m. That should be your last meal of the day. It's good if you eat some main protein then. And then you don't have to eat again until, let's say, 12 to 14 hours later. And what that does is gives your body a chance to process all the physical stuff that you've eaten, clear out everything that you don't need. It's like time to clear out the junk, clear out the junk, clear out the junk. Your body eats cancer cells. It's like that cancer, you're not supposed to be here. Like get out. Like imagine a big giant hefty bag full of all the stuff that's not supposed to be in your body that your body collects during this process of autophagy, gets it out. And then you get up in the morning, you know, you release and purge all the stuff that you cleansed over the night, get your fresh sunlight, which are your fresh directives for your mind, but also for your body. The sun talks directly to every one of your cells and it tells like I, I get my assignment like, okay, like thank you, son. Like I'm going to go write in my schedule because I got my assignment. But every one of my cells of my body, like my liver got an assignment when I when I did my sun gaze and the liver is like, okay, like I'm going to have to do this. And my, uh, my, my skeletal muscles got an assignment too. They're like, oh, we're going to have to do this. 
every single part of your body gets a perfect nutritional assignment from the divine consciousness that is coming from the stars. We are, I want, if I have one message for everyone who's listening to this, it is that there is so much support coming to us right now from literal coherent light family. The sun and the stars are our true family. They love us so much. It's, spoiler alert, it's you in the future. Like that is not a stranger up there in the sky, that giant ball of plasma. That's you. That is actually you, but just a much wiser, more advanced version of you. And you look at yourself in this format and you totally love yourself. You're like, oh, like that's my little fleshy self and I love who I am so much. And that's the version of me that needs to learn about like cleaning out my liver and what I'm doing with my kidneys and all these other things. So uh, we get a ton of love and support on an abstract level from the sun and the stars that are giving us so much light. It's literally our family of light, a coherent light family that helps us to basically transform into pure light beings. And they're there as like the lifters, carriers, encouragers, cheerleaders, coaches, protectors, guardians. We've got a ton of help and assistance from that. I know everybody needs to know that because sometimes it can be a really difficult slog. People go into abandonment. They're like, does anybody care up there? Is there anybody out there? Does anybody listen? Does anybody care? Like they listen, they care. They know everything that's going on in every single cell of your body and are constantly showering you with light. That is the light that can help heal and transform and rebalance yourself on a profound level. I love this. (laughs) I was taking notes and I hope everyone's taking notes. We're making changes. You're helping us make changes in our lives. And it gives us, you're helping give us an assignment of um, action in our planet. We see, um, not to go too much into into the collective, but this is where we separate ourselves from the collective in solidarity with this truth and with... um, what we know is the best practices for building our light body and for giving our body the light that you're speaking of. And most towns are moving towards LED lights. Most lights, as you said, are LED lights. I don't like them at all. I don't have them on at night in in my house. So it's really um, exquisite how you're sharing this information. And even, even, People's relationship with the sun. There's a lot of fear of the sun on our planet. And so, um, get away from that, right? I mean, I, I guess at, at, at the intensity of the day, you want to be mindful. And like you say, it's the sunrise, the sunset where you can feel the warmth of the sun. Um, and then what we're learning is that sunscreens are actually hurting the coral reefs. Yes. Yeah. And so why would we put that on our body? Totally. Uh, what, what is your thought on that? And what did sunscreens do to our light body? Is this a, um, is that another ploy to keep us from the light? Totally. Thank you so much. I'm happy that you 
brought us to that level of like accuracy and excellence because I have to share with you, my practice is everyone in town knows me. During the middle of the day, I have a giant rainbow hat, giant brim hat that I wear all the time. Um, yeah, and I live someplace where in the summertime, it can be 100 degrees or 120 degrees in the summer. So you have to do sensible things to protect your body, especially if you live someplace that is closer to the equator and where it low, the lower latitudes where it's very, very warm in the summertime. So my practices are I have shawls and big hats. If I'm going to be walking around outside, try to avoid the middle of the day when it's, you know, wintertime here is not a problem, but summertime and high summer, you want to avoid the sun at those times. And I have found some wonderful natural sunblocks. So natural sunblocks, jojoba oil, carrot seed oil, um, non-nano titanium dioxide or zinc oxide. These are like white pigments, but you want to get the non-nano type because the very tiny, tiny, tiny size molecules sink into your skin and go into your bloodstream. We don't want that. And then the methyl octylcinamate and some of the other chemical-based sunblocks are not good for the coral reefs. And you're correct. They're not that good for our blood supply and the tissues that filter our blood supplies either. So you want to be able to find like an effective, the, the best type of sunblocks for us are mineral-based sunblocks. That means that they are actual little tiny pieces of ground up rocks that are a powder or a dust that you put on the outside of your skin that you might have to reapply throughout the day, but they create like a physical barrier as opposed to a chemical barrier. The esoteric aspects of this beyond the physicality of protecting your body from overexposure to the sun is your pineal gland, which is really the seat of your insight. It is a gland that is inside of your brain, produces three major hormones. So the first one people might know about from radical psychedelic adventures, it's called DMT or dimethyltryptamine. So that is a naturally occurring brain chemical that is emitted in your pineal gland, but only upon your birth into this body and then your death. It is like a chemical use for coming into and out of your body. Like it's not really a drug of recreation or any kind of one of these, you know, things like that. Like it's serious stuff, all right? Like not to be taken lightly at all. It also, your pineal gland creates melatonin, which is our sleep chemical. When you turn off the blue lights at the right time of day, your body begins to produce melatonin. That means that then soon you will be tired and you will go into dreaming. And the dreaming is also part of clearing out your mental garbage bags, mental hefty garbage bags, because your brain has to do house cleaning too. But then the most important thing in our conversation is melanin. Melanin is the beautiful, usually brownish colored pigment that humans contain that helps to protect us from the sun. So when you're exposed to the sun and when sunlight comes into your eyes, your pineal gland says to your whole entire body, make some melanin. And it's called getting tan. You have these things in your skin that are called melanocytes. And um, my beautiful um, uh, albino brethren and sisters, we love you too. You have melanin in your body, but they don't have melanocytes. So it means that it doesn't come into the skin. So they're very, very um, vulnerable to the excess rays of the sun. But the idea is that this melanin is a protective and it also is a colorant. Like it's in my brown eyes. It's in my brown hair. It is part of the ca characteristics and natures of what we have in our body to protect us. So um, sunglasses that block UV, other things that block out UV from coming, coming into your eyes and sunblock, 
they give erroneous signals to your pineal gland and they, your pineal gland doesn't know, oh, you got to make some melanin. So it becomes this kind of like cycle that is not that positive. You wear the sunglasses, your body doesn't know to make melanin, you don't know to protect yourself, and then too much sun comes inside of you. So it is much better, I think, to wear a hat. Like if it's a very sunny day, wear a hat with a brim. You're not going to be blocking out all of the UV rays. You, your body and your mind and your eyes actually should receive them. You regenerate rods and cones with a small um, percentage of UVA radiation. So the blue light diminishes our rods and cones. They need to regenerate. Kind of like, uh, you know, like the idea of old, um, um, God, you guys, you might not even know this, um, this photo paper that came from Polaroid. Like you used to take Polaroids, they were instant pictures before digital um, photography. If you wanted an instant photo of something, you would take these little pictures and there was a photochemical that made the image kind of come forward. And those photochemicals are similar to what is in our retinas. It has to kind of get regenerated and we regenerate it by eating substances like carrots, brightly colored red and orange peppers, other fruits that contain these bioflavonoids that are colorants in fruits and vegetables. You have to eat the rainbow. Those biological colorants go into the receptors of your eyes and they recharge the Polaroid photo papers of your eyes so that you can see colors um, vividly and brightly. And um, so it's essential to be able to not be constantly stimulating our eyes with blue light and get some amount of the infrared and UVA that are what tells our retinas that it's time to regenerate. And on a more abstract level, like a lot of what I think about and teach about and swim around about in my mind is about light. Like the sense that a particle of light that's called a photon comes off of a star and it would have been traveling endlessly on its journey, but it doesn't if it comes into my eye. If it comes into my eye, it hits my retina and that light actually slows down through this really complex process of going through a membrane and then becomes an optical impulse and goes into my occipital load and I, lobe and I say, oh, I'm seeing something that is green or seeing something that is red, but that also there's this profound process that has happened of light changing it's not at light speed anymore and light speed is one of these constants of the definition of what is light so there's a miracle happening in the retinas of your eye at all times when light is coming into you and then it's transforming it's no longer light it becomes neurological impulse and all of that happens like I said, in the retina, this very delicate area of our of our eyes. And the things that we can do to support that is not to block out the UVA and UVB, which I know science is like, get it out of there. It's not supposed to be there. That is simplistic and reductionist. I think they're trying to give you their best tips of the trade from their viewpoint, but I don't think that it's really overall good, good sense. I think that the healthiest eyes and the healthiest people are people that are exposed to natural light, but just not too much of it. Wow. Thank you so much. Um, this is a lesson in its own conversation. This conversation is a lesson. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot there. You are a wealth of wisdom. Thank you. I um, want to give you a moment to talk more about the photon, the Good. journey of the photon. 
Um, you have a little animation too, right? Yes. Thank you. So let's see if, do I have permission to share screen? Awesome. I do. Thank you so much for that. Okay. So I'm share, I'm zooming over. I'm sharing my screen. This is what I've got right here. It is a super, um, simplistic one that is part of my new curriculum. And when I describe what I've got here, this outer, this circle, represents not just one star, but really every single star that is in existence that is all overlapping. And this yellow dot at the center there represents not just one photon, but every single photon that is in existence all overlapping. So it only looks like one because they're overlapping so perfectly that there's like a million of them all on top of each other, but that's what is there. And then this black line represents the fabric of time, space, and consciousness, that in this new way of modeling and diagramming what light is actually doing, instead of envisioning light as kind of flinging off of the surface of the sun and then going endlessly across the vast reaches of time, space, and you know across this blackness of space, the photon never leaves the star. All of the stars are conglomerated together. All of the photons are conglomerated together. Nobody ever leaves home, but the convoluted fabric of space, time, and consciousness balloons outward and then shrinks back in. So here's what I've got. And also I, there's a soundtrack to it. I'm going to turn down the soundtrack, but it's a rockin' soundtrack that I made in order to go with it. So you see it expands and contracts, expands and contracts. This is the real journey of light. And that represents multiple different pathways that are happening all at the same time. Each one of those is a time-space reality event. And the event can be a photon goes to a tree. That's one loop. Or a photon goes to your eye. That's one loop. So this is a simplified animation. I'll just run it a little bit more so you can get a sense of it. That the expanding outward and contracting inward. And that this creates a type of complex music just like if you put music into an oscilloscope or a sonogram, it would create something that looks like waveforms on your screen, lateral waveforms. This is very similar. The sun, the stars, and light itself are constantly creating and emitting these loops of time that are then being broadcast or reabsorbed back into the sun and the network of light. And each one of us is a part of that reabsorption process because like I told you, light enters into your retina and it changes into an optical signal and it lodges inside of your brain and your perception. But, and also, I'll go back to my face here. Thank you for letting me share that with you. Ideas come inside of you. Like I've actually been sharing light with you but by talking with you, talking to you with my mouth, I put light inside of you guys this morning. And I'm so pleased that I'm able to do so. And that light, as you are in your own process of comprehension and co cognitive abilities, you're sending that light back to the sun. Like you're going to be thinking about things and talking to the sun and sun gazing and saying, huh, I listened to this video or I learned about these ideas and that this is what light is doing. Like how amazing. And then the sun is going to receive back that light, like the sun sent me light in my sun gazing. I processed it. I turned it into a bunch of auditory phonemes. I sent them to your ears. You guys ingested the light. And now you're thinking about it and processing it. It's not the end of the journey. You send that processing process 
back to the sun and the stars. And it's a biofeedback loop where the sun is then, again, coherent light family caring about us says, this is what this person is thinking. This is what they're learning about. They need to hear this, this, and this in order to inform them on their journey and bring them towards their optimum levels of health and longevity and vitality and greatness. And then they will receive, you know, a new of whatever. Every, every day you get upgraded light codes. Every minute you're getting the, I don't want to say software update, but it's kind of like that from the sun and the stars. So this is literally what I think about all the time. Like when I'm driving my car and I drive safely so that I don't run into things, but I'm driving along and I'm like, wow, all of this light is making these giant time loops and coming into all of these plants, grasses, trees that are on either side of the road. Like I'm driving along, I'm like, okay, miracles are happening on either side of me. And this light is coming and on the level of photosynthesis, like if this is a leaf that is doing photosynthesis, you know how those are creating giant loops that would be like 93 million miles long, the photosynthesis creates these tiny little loops tiny little waveform loops that are happening inside of the cells of a leaf that are making it possible for that light from the sun to become glucose. And I'm like, okay, so you've got giant loops that are happening, little tiny, tiny, tiny loops, kind of like an embroidery of the surface of reality that's happening there. And then all of that is coming into my eyes and my retina and that that is causing these little stimulations in my retina. All of this is a dance. I'm making my hands move in this very undulative fashion because it's all a dance. Like I told you, putting my kettle on in the morning and looking at the water boiling, that water starts dancing. These are cosmic dance patterns that it's doing. And it's literally dancing and it's trying to say something to us. If we are open to it, we can learn so much by the patterns that these molecules of pure light are doing. So photons that come from the sun are one type of light, but then also infrared, that's another type of light that we experience not as the optical phenomenon, like I see the trees are green when I'm driving with my car, but you know what else I feel? I feel the light coming on my arm that comes in through the window that I'm like, oh, that feels warm. That's a different type of light. And that these are all in pieces of information that are coming to us from a divine intelligence that is really meant to nourish us and guide us on our life. And so I make it my daily practice as much as possible because I do all these different types of gigs and side gigs, like I talked about that, to be in meditation of what is light. And that I find that it gives a lot of meaning and guidance to everything that I'm doing. An ordinary mundane task, you think you're putting the kettle on and making coffee, is a profound experience. You learn from the dance of those molecules. And then when I'm drinking that coffee, like I've made the molecules dance, they contain a lot of intelligence. Now I'm putting them into my body. My body contains that intelligence. And then my body starts to dance in these intelligent patterns internally. And we call that health. That really, when we talk about achieving the longevity, some of these masters of yoga from Asia and the Himalayas area, they live to 160 years, 185 years. I think that we have that as the potential in our bodies and even more. I think it has to do with achieving these dance patterns. Like, you know, like if you're in a total frictionless pattern, like you flow over here, you dance over here, your body is dancing over here, your body is dancing over here. It's not a sluggish engine. It's a really fast moving, perfect, frictionless machine. And what it feels like to us is bliss. 
the experience of bliss is a frictionless life experience. Many of us don't get it because it's like, my job is making me angry. This traffic is making me angry. Like everything makes my head want to explode. That's the antithesis of bliss. Bliss is really when we are in exactly the right time and exactly the right moment, moving at the right pace and everything flows when I'm in my music and I'm like getting up in the morning, playing my piano, I'm like, oh, this note, this note, this note, this flows. This sounds great. That's me in bliss. Sometimes I'm frustrated. I'm like, this sounds like crap. Throw it out the window. I'm not in bliss all the time, but I wish I were. Um, but any of us can be frustrated, but we try to generate and cultivate bliss. That's that frictionless experience, literally of light flowing around your body. Wow. Thank you. We are a meditation in light. We are going to behold this. We're already beholding it. It's really wondrous. The diagram you shared was really helpful. Thank you. There were comments coming in that um, resonate with me too. It looked like we can see the sun acting that way when we see the sun pulsing. And so that's what's going on. Really quite fascinating. And then even... I've seen this. It's mesmerized me when you're on the water, maybe in a boat and the sun on the water, it's dancing. And that is light information as well. Really very cool. All of this and and all the way down to the boiling water. Yeah. Those light codes that are on a big body of water, the ocean or a lake when the sun is sparkling, so magical, so pure. That is our true language. Like having to translate things into English, French, Chinese, that's very challenging. But that sparkling light, though, that is our true language. And then it speaks to us on a cellular level, neurological level, and then brings up, got, brings us and guides us into these amazing life experiences. So you can put a huge amount of trust in the support that you're feeling from all of this light around you. We literally, everyone, swim in an ocean of light. This is me right now. I'm doing the backstroke in an ocean of light that everything, the heat that makes my room feel warm, it's 62 degrees, my room feels warm. I have a certain amount of infrared light that's in in my house here. The light that is coming in from the window, from the sun, the light that is in my mind in terms of cognitive processes that I'm sharing with you. All of this is this amazing ocean of light or a sea of consciousness. And our experience is meant to be like blissful and positive. So, yeah, when I first came here as a walk-in, I didn't have, like, I recognized, like, okay, this is not a very blissful, positive world. And then I met all of these people that were very troubled, people that were sick, saw homeless people, saw people being discarded and starving, totally an antithesis of bliss, not what this place is really supposed to be like. And then everything that I've been trying to share as an artist and as a musician and in in uplifted inspiration has been about like, how do I communicate to people? Like, this is what things are supposed to be like, that things are supposed to be like perfectly balanced, structured, organized. 10 units of energy comes from here. 10 units of energy goes over here. Same thing in our dynamics of social interactions. Like when you love someone, what's really happening is you're giving 10 units of energy with your heart and receiving 10 units back. And you can do that with a dog, a cat, a houseplant, the earth herself, the sky, atmosphere, molecules, earthworms, like it is this beautiful giving and receiving. And that's this sustenance where I feel very buoyant. I'm like, oh, like I just gave, because I have a worm farm outside. I gave my earthworms 10 units of energy. And now I feel that energy flowing back to me. I'm being slightly silly and lighthearted. Mostly I feel it from my dog. Like, you know what I'm talking about, guys. These uh, 
relationships sustain us. And then when we really focus in on that, instead of the world being a scary place that's full of bad things that can happen to you and maybe not having enough, you can really redefine the experience by being like, wow, when we treat each other and the ecosystem in this way of being equitable and reciprocal, giving and receiving equally, then you don't have to be afraid because you know, oh, I gave that guy 10 units of energy. I will receive 10 units of energy. I will give and I will receive. And I make that my social practice also. When I pay for something, I pay for it joyously and joyfully. I send this away from me joyfully and joyously. When I receive, I receive my payments in gratitude, received joyfully and joyously. And I feel like we've been straddling these two levels of reality because there is that level of reality where it's like, here's me and my, my seriousness. The bank will require this much money per month or the insurance company or any of these things. That's like, okay, we got to work within those parameters until we fully dismantle those, you know, like crusty old calcified ways of doing things. Um, But then there's also this personal, um, biological, human-centered, love-centered approach where we are completely sustaining one another. Like we are giving energy to one another, giving inspiration to one another, giving healing energy, giving guidance, giving care. Prayer, guys, prayer, non-denominational, like you don't have to be a part of a particular religion, but prayer is a very real form of energy. When you read about someone on their social media and they say, I'm having a problem or so-and-so is sick or I need to have this money for my rent or whatever it is, and you pray for them, you are saying, I send 10 units of energy to that guy because that guy needs to pay for this or have this healed or, or this. And you do that knowing that your energy bank accounts will get filled up. The energy will come to you. The energy will go to where it needs to go. We are the ones that are tasked with redefining this world. We're coming out of a world where you say, I'm only looking out for number one. I don't have to care about other people. Me, 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 competition, like all of these things we would call that red chakra, root chakra, lowest level stuff. And people might even call it reptilian stuff. It's kind of like, nope, I don't care for anyone else. I only care for me and I'm only out for number one. We are leveling up in a cosmic sense as a collective into not only do I care for other people, other people are essential to me. I care about you guys. You're essential members of the symphony of life. I want every single one of you to pay for your rent, have your body be healthy. And not only that, that's basic survival stuff, but to be living at the optimum levels of your life, exploring your greatness. Everybody has gifts to share in the world. I want every single one of you to be sharing your gifts in the world because then I get to receive them, share your gifts, share them with me as I am sharing my gifts of art and music and other uh, teachings and uplift with you. That's the world we are all striving for. And right here and right now, we are moving forward with that perspective. Thank you. It feels so good listening to you because it resonates within us so deeply. I'm not alone. I know everyone is resonating as well. And if not, uh, it's okay. We love you and love everything. I think this is really, you've illustrated the journey of our incarnation that we chose to come into. And we said, we got that. If that's all we have to do, we've got that. Maybe we've kind of gotten distracted along the way, but you put us right back on the path and it's so good. We are excited for your course. Oh my goodness. This has been a beautiful introduction to that and all of your exquisite wisdom. So let's talk about that course. It's the special offer. I'm going to put the link right now in our
it's in the Zoom chat line. And um, tell us, please, tell us about that. Thank you so much. And I'm so pleased to offer this to you guys. So this is the new curriculum that I just developed from my insights from this past October, November, December. Super, super, I jokingly call it the fresh hot lasagna that's just coming out of the oven with bubbles around the edges. So it's a new way of being able to diagram what photons are doing. I will tell you beforehand, this might be some intellectual heavy lifting, like get your like weightlifters belt ready because you're going to have to lift some, you know, like uh, heavy concepts here. The concepts are about molecular bonding, um, photons as part of an ocean of waveforms and what those waveforms are. Uh, what are the stages of matter? Like everything from a solid to a liquid to a gas to a plasma. What is the continuum of light that we know? Everything from infrared heat to optical light to x-rays to electromagnetism. Like I literally talk all about this. I, so it's a series of recorded whiteboards where you hear my voice speaking. I do a lot of diagrams. I make this all very accessible because I recognize that not everybody has a background in molecular chemistry. I do not and did not, but what I find it fascinating and it gives me a common language to be able to share this. So I have an extensive teaching about what is actually happening in terms of light when photosynthesis happens. And then how does that molecular bonding process relate to you and the glucose that's in your actual bloodstream? How do we understand and comprehend, like I said, the example of light heating up a kettle and the steam that comes out of a kettle is different than the uh, cloud vapor that's in the sky because one of them will burn your hand and one of them will not. And these are both dancing molecules of water. And I also go into the sense of it, light being information or organized intelligence, part of a larger neurological network that we are a tiny neuron node of a much, much larger neurological network and what that great brain is thinking. So it's pretty much a six week course. And I, it, you can hop on it anytime. I like don't be into, I want everyone to accessible. Don't be intimidated. It's always a good, good point to start. And I'm just starting the second attempt, not attempt, intention to teach and share this with everyone. So I just started that last Saturday with a brief intro and overview, knowing that more people would find out about it from here. And this Saturday is when I begin in earnest. And I begin with the diagramming of what is a sun star? What is a photon? And what is it doing with these journeys that are these time loops of expanding pathways of time. And then everything builds upon there. And I make my diagrams get slightly more and more complex and share so that everything builds as a foundation on it. And then I even get up to, in the very end, the sense of what happens if you die and if your body is combusted, like burned on a funeral pyre, like, or what has happened to some of these great teachers, you know, they were burned on a funeral pyre. What, where did their spirits go? What happened? Because your body contains DNA, which is like a bridge of light. So the course material is very valuable. It straddles the world between objective materialist science and things that you can see happening under a microscope, but then also relates a lot to your spiritual, your journey as a spiritual aspirant of returning to light and light speed. Because Einstein tells us that it's going to take an infinite amount of energy for you to get back up to light speed. But I'm here to tell you his teachings are beautiful, but incomplete. You can get back to light speed. You have a matter body that you don't have to say, oh, it's always going to be going slower than light. 
All of these ideas that come to us from the sun and the stars are there to nourish us and guide us, to give us the idea you actually can get back to light. It's going back home. That is how we go back home. And this is a qualitatively different experience than death. And it relates very much to our personal and planetary ascension. So all of this, I use science, and that's the heavy lifting, molecular chemistry, which I think is super fun to talk about. And then I relate it to your journey as a spiritual aspirant going into deep levels of who we are as consciousness. How do we define ourselves as individual packets of light? And then a spoiler alert, because I told you, like you become the sun and the stars. All light everywhere is you. You get up to these higher levels where there is no boundary and no distinction. And you don't have to say that guy is different than me and that guy is different than me. And I'm going to give him 10 units and him five units. And like all light is totally connected and it is on this complex level of sharing um, and flowing. And you don't have to be counting every penny. And it becomes that's freedom. That is what we're heading towards, the sense of just non-self-conscious freedom where you exist and you are enough and you have enough and everything you have, you share with others, knowing that they are sharing it with you too. It goes beyond physical energy in your bank account or how much calories are in your um, refrigerator. It has to do with the energy of your heart and your intellect and your body. All of this is the most valuable stuff that you have to share, but you start to realize there's an infinite amount of it coming to me from the sun and the stars. It comes through me it's in me for a little bit and then it goes to the next person but then more of it comes in more of it comes in and this is really the most amazing like I'm getting chills as I share this with you it's the most amazing happy ending to like a very challenging story that we've been going through I know I just got lit up too and I I'm certain that others are feeling that as well it's I am elated I am so elated I it um I, I feel like crying and I feel like just going and hugging the world. This is the, um, it is like, this is the ecstasy love fest we thought was going to be December 21st of 2012. Um, but this is the journey. This, you've illustrated the journey of what's going on. You are like a, an ascension galactic walk-in, a, a galactic walk-in specifically for the ascension journey as we are getting back to light speed and we are becoming the sun. Wow. So um, the freedom of just sharing our love, freedom of sharing our light. I hope everyone who's watching or listening is feeling the impulse to share because so many light workers, we call ourselves light bringers, light seekers, light, light workers, but yet we're so timid at times to share or to be seen. We don't validate ourselves. And Listening to you has made us be inspired and feel worthy and powerful and empowered for sharing this light. And we can see how the mind gets in and distorts it. So um, the, the mind's going to take a little backseat over here as we really share and share and share the light. Wow, I see the world that we are working for. I won't even say working for. I see the world when this flips from the inside out, like the flying rainbow lasagna. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, I don't want to stop you because you're on such a beautiful roll. I'm oh. hugging you. When you're, you're so deeply heartfelt, I'm hugging you through the screen. I love you so much. 
You're a beautiful person. And yes, I relate to all of your feelings, like a little bit of disappointment from December 21st, 2012, when I also thought that it would be like a light switch and the door would open and we would be there. And then I was like, wah, wah, like what happened and what is going on? And it's just been sometimes the answer from the cosmos is not no, it's not yet. That's the big answer for us. It wasn't a hard no. It was not yet. We're part of the way there. We need to do more work. So that's all that the, everything that's been going on for the past 10 years. And please, I encourage everyone to like remain hopeful, genuine hope, not any kind of false helium pumping you up. Genuine hope, genuine faithfulness and truthfulness to a vision, like a vision of this ideal paradise state that is really our true home and being able to embody that or anchor that here in our physicality experience. It is the happy ending to the very, very challenging, like, you know, the ancient Greek myths, like the hero goes on this journey and all of these terrible things happen. And then you make it back home and you find your dog is still there and your dog remembers you and jumps into your arms and everything is great. That moment of homecoming is what we are working for here homecoming to light what a beautiful homecoming to light and um it's so beautiful i'll say it one more time you are a fascinating teacher thank you for sharing and thank you for being here again i want to point people to check out your course your class it is fascinating we've been fascinated right now um randy thank you i know that she shared autophagy and Randy has been asking about this um, in other shows. So you got the telepathy on that and, and spoke about it. And he says that his life is changed or improved. We've improved his life today. Likewise, Randy, you are constantly improving ours. And everyone, thank you so much for being here and um, witnessing this and, and, and embodying this and absorbing this this is light coded information and it feels so good and liberating and empowering thank you thank you thank you aurora galactic walk-in um there's so much more we can learn from you we're out of time today but my goodness we're going to have you back as always and we're going to learn much much more but of course those who want to learn as much as they can from you are invited to your very affordable course that's available uh, wherever you're watching or listening to this video or audio, you can find it in the description box. It's also in the webpage that got you here to today's call. Is there anything else you'd like to share as we say bon voyage, farewell? You know, there's there's so much, uh, mostly just endless encouragement and positivity that is very, very grounded in reality, because I am a realist, that we have been through many, many difficulties and turmoils. Our success is inevitable. The homecoming, the reachieving of light speed, it's basically the remembrance of self as God, as God self, as creator self. It is inevitable. It's baked into us as an innate part of who we are. So please be very like faithful and, um, you know, comfort, be comforted in that knowing and keep going on all of your journeys. Like it's a marathon. And so I'm telling you, like, we got to give each other Gatorade. We got to give each other inspiration on the marathon. I inspire you. Please keep going. Keep running every day. Keep doing all of your practices for spiritual attainment. You will get there. You know, at the end of the marathon, you break the tape across the finish line. Ah, I broke the tape. I made it there. Yes. And then you get the trophy or the whatever it is, the medal and everything. Yes. 
We get that, except that's not death. That's not the end. That just means that you get to the next, you level up, we level up and get to this next level. So please keep running your own individual marathons. Every heart is here on that journey and every heart in their own unique way is what is this ascension process about. That is what 2012, uh, December 21st, 2012 was. And so um, here we are 10 years later, but it's all good. It's all really, really good. It's what needed. Yeah. <laughs> Aurora, you're so special and uh, we are elated. Thank you. Thank you. Many, many hugs to you. Hugs, appreciation, and love to you, Lauren. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Until next time, namaste. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to this quantum conversation, and thank you for dancing with us to the cosmic heart. As we raise our own vibration, we raise the vibration of the planet. This show is dedicated to you and all awakening hearts as we are here to shine our bright light and amplify our love. Access all quantum conversations, special offers from our guests, and online healing retreats by visiting AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and from my sacred heart to yours, I honor your magnificent love and light. We leave you now with music from the universe. Music literally created by the universe as musical notes were assigned to mathematical equations. The result is this beautiful music available at AcousticHealth.com. Namaste.